Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers. And I'm Andrea Willits. Together, we're disrupting the trance of unworthiness and guiding women to reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. So, uh, so Kim Fuller is here today, and I cannot wait to introduce you. Those of you who uh, are familiar with Kim's work, of course, you're you're in for even a double treat this this morning or today because she's uh, she is always got something new cooking. Hey, Kim. Hi, kitty, 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 kitty. Oh, <laughs> uh, I that actually uh, <laughs> just just even like going back to where our relationship began. I know it's so funny. I'm. It's funny to be here actually in this capacity because I am so excited for where you are, where the Revelation Project is, and to have been there in the earlier days of it as the Revelation Project photographer which was like some high, you know, definitely highlights of my career. Yay. So just, you know, super glad to be talking about this now. I know, yeah. I know. And so, and for our listeners um, too, how I met Kim was actually, she was the photographer for my, uh, my wedding. Yeah, that was right? beautiful too. Yes. Oh my gosh. And of course, um, while that um, marriage served its purpose, um, what's so great is that our friendship continued on, but my God, I was, I was even thinking about that the other day, thinking gosh, 20, 22 years ago. Yeah. Right. I think, well, you'd know exactly. Or 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Well, I know. It's, it's like we've known each other for 20 years. I know. It's so great. It is. And then of course, when I started the revelation project, you started to follow it. And as a photographer, you were kind of watching, what was happening. And I remember, I'll never forget the time you emailed me and you were like, I love what, what you're doing. Cause of course your background from RISD and with photography, tell her, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a RISD graduate. I graduated in 1986 and I've always loved, actually my th senior thesis was about this, the mind body connection. So really always been fascinated about how the human mind works and how it affects our physical actions. Um, so I was actually photographing athletes of all things um, at, at that moment of what I thought was um, a critical point in the athletic experience. So whether it was like starting out of the track blocks or off the swim gate or, you know, whatever it was, so even a moment with another athlete, sort of that moment where you're just in pure beingness even as an athlete so it was kind of fascinating to explore it in that way and then I would you know began freelancing pretty quickly out of the gate after working with a couple of photographers because I didn't really know what else I was going to do it was my only passion I'm so glad I trusted that and followed that because it's it's been awesome but when I first saw the revelation project now fast forwarding many years and being in as a photographer for a while in the wedding industry and the whole thing I saw what you were doing and I was like damn I wish I'd thought of that because it was so brilliant. It was so beautiful the way you were giving women an opportunity to explore through the visual image. And I just loved it. And of course, that's why I wrote to you. And then fast forward another year, you were looking for an, another photographer to work on the project. And I was so excited to jump in. So. Yes. And you were literally just right there, right there to come in. I was there before I was the photographer. I know. You, you were know, there so before I was, like, you were I was there. ready to do it like be a participant as well as like follow it. Cause I just, I loved the concept. I loved the concept of exploring 
your visual story, really, right? And and that's what um, I think we both love is sort of digging into someone's story a little bit and how they work with that story. Well, and then what, what I'm really... Um you know, present to in this moment, of course, as we're kind of walking down memory lane together is that you really also brought this whole like, um, mindfulness and meditation and, and really helped me to develop this workshop and program around where women could actually kind of come in and have an experience and deepen that experience through kind of this getting grounded and centered before the photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. And so that all kind of came about through photography as well, oddly enough. But um, I was on a photo assignment at Salve Regina and I was at the same time dealing with kind of a challenging project slash relationship with the person I was creating this project with and I didn't really have any salvation so to speak something to lean into that I really could I didn't you know I wasn't religious or or didn't have sort of a any kind of therapy going on or a mentor kind of thing so I was a little lost honestly but I'm on this photo assignment and I'm watching my ego kind of going bonkers because I wasn't getting what I wanted out of the situation. I, I wanted to sit in the front row. I wanted to be able to move around. Long story short, the thing I was photographing was D- the Dalai Lama's lecture, high security. So at the last minute, somebody came in and said, you need to sit down. You can't be moving around. And the front row was already filled with journalists. So I get, quote unquote, stuck in the third row you know, I fortunately got an aisle seat and, and my ego's just going bonkers. Like, what? well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be like able to move around. I got to get all these pictures. Blah, blah. So I'm watching, you know, see, seeing this and not until later, of course, when I was able to reflect upon the situation. But the bonus of being in that spot, though, third row back right on the aisle was that the Dalai Lama actually ended up coming into the tent and walking down the center aisle shaking people's hands and all that. And because I was in that seat, I got to shake his hand. And, and that in, changed you, didn't it? Changed me profoundly. It be, and, and it was such a funny thing because I feel like a lot of people who have gotten into mindfulness and, and maybe Buddhism or a spiritual thing have had a moment, like some sort of moment that they can almost recall. And this was mine. When he shook my hand, it was as if pure love was showing up in a mo- the most beautiful way I'd ever felt in my life. And I have a very blessed life. I have a lot of friends and family and good people in my life that love me. And I, and I knew that, but there was something different here. It was such a purity to it that he was, you know, here's a man who I've never met before. I don't know very much about at all. He doesn't know me yet. He held that space for me of what I now understand to be compassion and, and love. Mm. And it was so perfect. And I thought this is a human being. It's not like this person's a God or some, spiritual well obviously a spiritual being but not some like untouchable he's a human being and so this kind of behavior is possible and it got me fascinated because not only did I want more of it but I want to be able to give it yeah and be present like that so long story short I began studying Buddhism and mindfulness and that's how that that piece of my life um, came into my work and has propelled me in a multitude of directions Kim, you know, what's coming up when you were talking about how the Dalai Lama interacted with you was it, like this, this, um, 
this idea that he had no barriers between like in his being with you in yeah. that moment that there was literally like this ability to just see you right which kind of brings me back to what we were doing in the revelation project like there was something about working with you it was like you you did have kind of this experience of being able to almost because of that be with women in the way it was like I didn't need to explain that piece to you yeah right? yeah yeah it was something that I definitely um like I wasn't kidding around that day when when I heard that message it rang so true that I made a vow in front of the Dalai Lama he asked us you know if we would make the vow and I decided to and it was to become well, to cultivate bodhicitta in my heart, which is essentially really cultivating a heart that is full of love and compassion, and to strive to be a bodhisattva, which is somebody who aims to reach enlightenment and relieve themselves of suffering and then potentially help others relieve themselves of suffering. I took that very seriously. And when I started reading and studying and looking for teachers and all of that, it was full on. Like I really got into it and, and felt that it was a roadmap to a real viable way to live my life with peace and love. And I don't know, it was just, it just felt really tangible, if you will, like something I could do. Yeah. Yeah. It made sense. It had a, it had a real true path. And that is really what the Buddhist Dharma lays out is the path. And, and, and so I thought, okay, I can follow that path. And I'm not following it to the T. I'm not a monastic by any means, but I'm doing my best. I'm I'm doing my best to be kind and to be present. And it, and it's it's about setting that intention every day to say I I want to show up in this way in the world. And and of course, as you, the work you do, you have to love yourself first. You have to know yourself. You have to be aware of who you are, how you react in the world, and and operate and. How do I show up for people? So I took a deep look at that before I went out and did any of this with anyone else, I'm sure. And, you know, I'll, I can go into the story of who my real teacher was, right? My greatest teacher was not someone I expected. And about, I don't, not long after that talk that I went to, I'd started practicing meditation, which I had no idea what I was doing. I basically just sat down every day and was like, all but right, was, let's. But, but it was this experience with the Dalai Lama that kind of really yeah, got you interested. That. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I started, you know, cause I thought, well, meditation's the, the, the first step. I had no idea what to do. I, I didn't really know anyone who meditated. I didn't know who to talk to about it. So I just kind of picked up a couple books and was like, and this was even before Headspace or any of the apps, you know? So I just sat. And I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, but I'm just going to sit and see what happens and try to calm myself and whatever. You know, I was looking just seeking and searching and thinking, I need a monk. I need a guru. I need somebody. But I was speaking with a friend of mine and he said, you know, teachers are everywhere. They're everywhere. Don't, don't, don't feel pressured to find. And so fast forward, started volunteering at a group home. My kids were, my two birth children were getting older and starting to, um, you know, play sports after school. So I had this sort of window of time in the middle of my day that I thought would be good if I started doing some volunteer work. So put a, put together a group of women. We uh, volunteered at a boys group home it, through Child and Family. And I met a young boy there. And after a year being at the group home and meeting him and so on and so forth, he came up for adoption. I really love this kid. Like from the minute I saw him, I saw something magical in him. He was brilliant. I could tell he was just so smart, super charming, big brown eyes, athletic, just just a top-notch kid. And, and believe me, a lot of the kids in that home were quite traumatized at a young age and suffering a lot. He didn't seem to have as much, 
but so much good going on, really. So, so much that needed to be nurtured. So when he came up for this ad- adoption, he went from being a, a child I observed to a child I was observing in a new way that could potentially have more impact on my life. And I thought to myself, could I be his mom? Hmm. Could I do that? And, and you know, the, the woman who was running the group home did ask me that question. Do you think you would consider adopting? You've got a wonderful family. He, yeah, you guys had taken a shine to each other. We had taken a shine to each other. And, um, and so, long story short, we did adopt him. But that trauma that I didn't really think he had yeah. showed up profoundly the first few years of having him in our home. And it taught me so much about what I assume about people and what I expect from people in a sense that I assumed he would be happy, grateful, calm, settled in our, you know, our calm little household that we had. This, this quote unquote, perfect little life that I had going on, right? No. Mm -mm. And not only that, I had expected him to behave in certain ways or feel a certain way or be a certain person that I had seen at the group home. But he was essentially working the system at the group home. This this poor child was essentially in a very heightened state of fight or flight and surviving. He was literally surviving and he'd figured out how to survive in that environment. Well, he was figuring out how to survive in our family and it was through controlling everything mm-hmm. because he was so out of control. Yeah, yeah. But just to keep this, you know, in context here, He became such a great teacher because I really had to practice compassion, empathy, patience, not only for him, but for myself, because I made a lot of mistakes. Here I was, you know, this mom of two already of kids who were very well balanced, doing great, happy. And then there's this other child who's testing me to no end, not only me, but my husband and my children. And so it was this idea of, really, you know, as you do with your programming, loving myself well and saying, you can't let guilt or judgment for what you've just done or all of that bring you down. You have got to be patient and compassionate for yourself and realize you're human just like he is and that you need to see him clearly. And that really was the shift to see him clearly Yeah. So, and for our listeners, uh, while, so you were with the Revelation Project kind of in a volunteer basis for really during that time. Yes. Almost seven years. Yeah. During that time. Right. And, and, and I remember Kim really like, you know, just, we had such a, a a family way of being with each other. Right. And so, yes, as you were kind of experiencing these challenges and bringing it into the revelation project and what was getting revealed for you right in in this realm of you know not only being an adoptive mom but also in this practice Mm -hmm. right of really wanting to bring this non-judgmental compassion to all beings including yourself and for myself was the hardest piece for yourself because I am a perfectionist Virgo who thinks that I've got it all handled. Yes, there are a lot of parts of my life that I do very well in. This was not being one of them at that time. I was falling apart. And I was so grateful for the Revelation Project and the relationship that we had built, Monica, because Mm -hmm. 
you really showed me that having a real conversation about what's happening in your life and sharing my story each day with you all or whenever we would get together was so valuable in my processing and healing because I tended to keep things very close Mm -hmm. and not because I didn't believe in sharing but because I felt that by sharing was repeating feeling that I didn't really want to repeat I wanted to move on (laughs) right right and there's something to that as well but there were parts that really needed to be vented out in a sense that it was affecting my relationship with people. It wasn't that I had to go into every dirty detail of what was happening, but I think by not processing it, I was a, I was not being real and true to the other relationships in my life because I was it was harbored so much that it was it wasn't allowing me to be present. It wasn't allowing me to think about anything else but that and and so it it overwhelmed me. Yeah. And you guys really created a space for me to say, it's okay to just dump. Yeah. <laughs> We've got you. And this is, we're going to show you how to do this. And that's what I'm really eternally grateful for. You know, obviously we're not working together anymore. And when it came time to have that conversation with each other, when I, I saw a path that was coming my way, I didn't know what it was, but I felt this pull to to move on, so to speak, from the Revelation Project. I knew that you guys would be able to hold the space for that conversation as hard as it was going to be. Oh, yeah. And it was really hard. It was hard. Yeah. But I, what I have learned is that when we can see ourselves clearly and trust in that, and that's what where I was in that place of saying, I don't know what's calling me, but I have to follow this. Yeah. And I know it's really hard to break away from what we've created here with the Revelation Project Yet, this is so powerful right now because I'm really listening. I'm really listening to something that is calling me. And I, even though I don't know what it is, I have to trust it. So that's the loving myself piece, right? That's the work that came first. And what came second was waiting for what was going to show up in a present way and being present for that. And so there's so much along this journey that we go through, but so much of it to me is about the conversation we have with ourselves yeah, and the conversations that we can have with others that are about holding that space. And you guys never tried to fix me or change my mind or any of that. You just showed me what it means to hold space for someone. Mm -hmm. And I've practiced that and found such profound change I suppose in that that I want to do more of this with people I want to I want to bring in the mindfulness the idea of deep listening the idea of holding space and the idea of speaking your truth and and sharing your story in a way that empowers you versus bringing you down because believe me my story could have easily fallen into me being a victim and my story bringing me down right so it's so cool Kim to hear you kind of talk from this place because over here as I'm listening to you I'm like yeah you know like it's so interesting right how the revelation project in a lot of ways it's like during this very trying time again kind of provided this structure where everything got to belong right all of the messiness of it all of the 
the confronting, right, of ourselves and kind of like seeing the places or I know that we share this love of the Revelation Project of continuing to put our life inside of the project. And even when we didn't like what was being revealed, that there was this gentleness about how to be with, you know, some of these things that are hard to look at when it comes to our ego. Oh, yeah. The ego is a beautiful thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then also just also really recognizing that, yes, as women, that not only were we endeavoring to do something that there wasn't there, it's not like there was a model out there for it, right? And we often kind of talk about finding our way with each other in this very kind of like human mass experience. And that, yes, trusting the self and then trusting each other, but coming back to kind of knowing that like no matter what, there's a relatedness here with these women where I do feel safe, that there was also permission to get messy in in kind of the unraveling of, you know, what was a, a beautiful partnership that we all kind of come away, I think, with this understanding that None of these things are supposed to last forever. And of course, goes back to to so much of the teachings that you brought into the Revelation Project around impermanence, right? Yeah. It's this idea that, you know, when we cling or when we attach to ideas of things, that's where a lot of the suffering comes in. Absolutely. And that, you know, impermanence is one of the top, top priorities for you to investigate in, in the Buddhist tradition. Because it is the cause of most of our suffering is this attachment to things, ideas, beliefs, um, expectations, assumptions that are just not going to be the same moment to moment. And so even when we think about showing up for people, can we arrive in each moment with each other as we are then? Without bringing in the old bat, I mean, believe me, women are really good at this one. Mm-hmm. Bringing in an argument that happened ten years ago, or something our partner did ten years ago, into the current moment's argument or discussion. I've I, I did that a lot, and and not because I, it, it's because I never process the wound, in yes. the, you know, and so I just keep bringing it back, like oh here it is again. And if we don't learn to process, then we're not ever going to be present because we're going to carry it with us like a big old anchor or bag of coal on the back of our backs and bring it into every situation. Right. And so I don't know where I was going with that. I guess it's the impermanence. Yes. So, you know, let go of the bag of coal or let it be or something. But women, women, I know for a fact have so much capability around resilience. Like we're, we're quite resilient when we put our minds to it. And that doesn't mean we're just letting stuff go. So impermanence and understanding impermanence isn't about just saying, well, it's just going to disappear, so I'm not going to worry about it. That's not the point. It's more the understanding that things aren't impermanent, and so there's no need to grasp or cling because it will move. It will change. This situation is not always going to be like this. This feeling is not always going to be like this or doesn't have to be. We can keep recreating it if we want to. Right. It right. might be a little different than the last time you felt it, but, you know, it's all one big perception. Yeah. So, yeah, the impermanence thing is big, really is big. big. Well, and, and so there we were, right? Like, I, I, and I find, Kim, that, you know, it's, it's 
true that like it's it's hard for women to part from each other without some kind of residual it's it's like kind of that wounded feminine is is what I always point to right it's this idea that like we've kind of got going back to kind of processing some of these wounds like there are some old wounds and and it's kind of it's been really amazing to have women in my life right where I've been able to just share my deepest truths with my deepest desires been able to be fully myself and be able to allow those relationships to come and go just like the seasons right it's like we're here sometimes to serve in each other's life not forever but that what's true for me is that when it is time to part again not clinging to this like but it shouldn't be this way right it's more this what shows up in that space is more of like an honoring a gratitude of having had the experience oh absolutely and I think if you can reflect on any experience that you have in that way you'll be that much better to Uh look at every experience as a lesson and and that that helps me stay really open and present actually is that what what is this opportunity in front of me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's really where I, I love to stay in practice off my mat, you know, off my meditation cushion in life is whatever experience I'm having, seeing it with this awareness of what is being presented in this moment. And it could be anything from somebody cutting me off in the, in the street and being annoyed by it and say, okay, what, what can I take away from this? Or what can I learn? How can I grow from this? Because I feel that annoyance or the anger, right? And how can I shift it to to a, a really heated discussion or a, or a tough experience or a challenge in my life to say, okay, what is it, what? How am I going to grow from this? Because if my aspiration is to be enlightened, which it is, I need to understand my suffering. I need to understand it fully and with full clarity. And so when it comes up. It's simply an opportunity for investigation. And I can say it's that much closer to enlightenment. It's that much closer. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to do that. I can do this. It's it's what inspires me every day that I know that that's possible because I saw it in the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Well, and so and this is a great kind of segue because you've kind of then. So we we parted ways. Mm -hmm. Right. And what's been so beautiful is to kind of watch this new unfolding, right? Because you had accomplished so much, even while you were volunteering for the Revelation Project, you had written a book, right? You had written Finding, you had done that amazing TED Talk. Um, I'll I'll never forget, like, you know, like trying to hold myself (laughs) at the end from the standing ovation. I was so glad you guys were there. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. And, And for those of you listening, Kim just like nailed it. and and got a standing ovation. It was the most beautiful thing to witness. And, you know, and and then watching you kind of really bring this like mindful photography and to not only to, you know, your profession as a photographer, but then into working with other women in a branding capacity and then into Born to Rise. And so I really want to hear and transition now into kind of how that kind of journey where that journey has brought you yeah so 
you know, like I said, separating from the Revelation Project was a very emotional time. And I think those times are when we can be in that that space of of witnessing and watching because it's a it's almost like there's a like a, a an open an opening you know, because we're just so raw, right? And so I was there for sure. And like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm shifting and changing. Um, I was in a meditation one afternoon and I'd been, you know, like I said, fascinated by women's stories. And the, I wanted, I had thought about creating some sort of event around story sharing. And I, I love to tell Newport, which is an event that happens here in Newport, where I had shared a couple stories and a lot of people share stories. And, you know, storytelling is very popular right now. But the experience I had with the TED Talk was so empowering actually because I was able to take that story of our adoption story and the trauma of it into something very empowering and so there was a lot behind this idea to want to have stories so as I'm in this meditation I'm I'm open and sort of asking the universe what's next and man the big old fat download of born to rise came and it it essentially to sum it up is that I would I'm hosting a conference called the Born to Rise Women's Story Sharing Festival. And it's not only about story sharing to hear stories, but why. It's the why of that. Why is that important? We've been sharing stories for centuries, but what is the, what is the, where have we lost that? Like, where has it gone? And I think we all, a lot of us feel very isolated and disconnected these days because we're doing a lot of things in an isolated way and not connecting as deeply as we had in the past. Are you talking about like online technology, um, even, yeah. even our, even in the division in the country right now over politics or racial issues or religious divide yes. or whatever it is, yes. there's a lot of division right now. It's sort of this you versus me or them versus us, right? We're all humans. We all really want the same things at our base. And I really want to sort of encourage and remind people that even if we have all these other separations, what is it, what is it that brings us together and how can we nurture that? Mm-hmm. And I really fully believe that it's through sharing our personal stories, raw personal stories, and being able to actively listen to those stories without this need to fix or change or anything about that person. And this is what I learned through our, our son and the adoption is that I made up my own story about him. But when I really stop to listen to what his needs were and really ask and get clarity around that is when the expansion came for him and for me. I was able to release the need to fix him, which took a huge burden off of me and accepted the impermanence of the situation, the eminent change. And for him, I think it, he felt less judged. He felt more space to explore who he was without this judgment and felt accepted and loved more deeply. I, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. And if I had kept pushing and wanting him to be something that he wasn't, God, the pressure of that for him would have been immense and he would not have been able to find out who he was. And let me tell you, this kid is extraordinary. He Absolutely is extraordinary. extraordinary. And it's because I believe that he feels empowered now. In his previous situation, he did not feel empowered. Everything was out of his control. Well, it's fascinating too, Kim, when I think about it. You know, we were we were c- continually creating space for women to show up and be who they were. Yes. 
right? And so it was this, I know it's such a different dynamic, but but yet it's not. But bringing somebody into your family, right? And acclimating and integrating and all of what goes in with raising a child, mm, mm-hmm. right? Who maybe is is coming in and I and I love in your in your talk how you know the elephant and the lion or the elephant yes. and the tiger yeah um which I'll have you share in a minute but this idea that that yes like creating that space for him again to kind of explore and be himself and you were creating space for you as well it's almost like what's coming up for me is like who am I Kim as now Kaidel's adopted mom like yeah. it gets to be different yes and I didn't like who I was for a long time I didn't like how I was behaving or reacting to yeah, things. Yeah. I wanted to respond. And, you know, part of the, you know, I've, I've created this thing called the pause method, which is a five-step, you know, calming method, essentially, to be, to come into the present moment and, and be able to be in that kind of relationship. And it's been so helpful for me to just remember the word pause before I speak, before I react, before I jump. And that's not, that that does not mean that it keeps the feelings from coming, by the way. Like, it just keeps me from reacting to them so that if I'm angry, I'm not acting in anger towards someone, which is just not helpful at all. Yeah. I still have to process the anger, go through the anger and work through it. Again, it's impermanent, so it's going to change and calm myself to where I can respond in a productive way, right? So that's really the, where the, the kind of lesson that came in. And this tiger that you alluded to, who was my son, you know, he was the tiger coming into our elephant family. Why did I expect him to act like an elephant? And that was, the, that was a real, that was a, that was a phrase that someone said to me when I was really in the heat of this that just really made me think about things a little differently. How does a tiger need to be raised? Yes. Well, it's also just this like perspective that like just, again, creates that kind of shift for you to be like, oh, right. Like I'm I'm actually like living inside of an expectation, which again is attachment. Yes. Yeah. And, And ultimately, tigers and elephants both need a ton of love and they need to feel accepted. So at the base, same stuff, but a tiger maybe needs a little more room. Maybe a tiger needs the opportunity to be wild and to to hunt and be the king and have some power and control, right? Mm-hmm. Elephants are a little more laid back. They might not need that. Maybe they can just hang, which was my role. Like, let me just hang back a little bit and give this guy, let him out of the cage. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, get in meta- into the metaphors here, that's essentially what that translated to me. It, that's what it felt like was that. And I love, I love that kind of like, all along the way, right? All of these like disguised gifts. Yes. Disgui- they're so disguised, but yet like it like I always think about that pressure, you know, that that kind of idea that we in kind of surrendering to what's here or what's possible, right, for ourselves and our lives, that oftentimes we find that we're like <laughs> we get into this idea that we're victims to something yes. o- only to realize it's happening to me, right? It's happening to me versus it's happening for me. Yeah. Or it's just happening uh, or it's just <laughs> happening. But look at what's come of it, right? right the right. book, you know, the Ted talk, that's right. The, all of this expansion, how many women you held space for so that they could see and experience them experience themselves through a whole new lens. 
And then to take everything that's gotten revealed through your entire life experience and now iterate into the next becoming who you're you're now becoming and who you're helping other women become through Born to Rise. So I love this concept, right, of the storytelling festival. Yes. And I wanted to kind of just ask you to tell me a little bit more, tell our listeners a little bit more about like, what's, what's available in doing this? And what's your bigger vision? Like, you were talking about the separation and the divide. Right. Right. And so I'm making up over here that through storytelling, there's healing available in that. Absolutely. And the the interesting thing is that at at first, it's actually shift, I've, because I recently had a conversation with someone that shifted a little something for me that was, I think, kind of neat. I felt at first that we needed to share stories with each other that were from such different perspectives, like maybe, um, you know, one race talking to a different race or one religion talking to a different religion. But what I'm really thinking about now, and, and I could be wrong, I'm still, you know, I, I like to keep it open, is that we need to talk with people who are going through the same things we're going through, Mm. whether we're in the same economic background or whether we're in the same religion, but to talk openly about how we are with all of that, because maybe that's where we will feel empowered. Maybe that's where we'll feel the most empowered is when we come together in our own communities, whatever that really means. I don't mean to divide more, but just our own community of experience. So, so uh, uh, just tell me if I'm on the right track. So for, for example, if the subject matter or the storytelling is around love, it's a place we can all relate. Yes, right? right. And so it's not about like, what does it mean to be African-American? What does it mean to be white girl? What does it mean to be, you know, Episcopal Buddhist? It's, it's more like, what does it mean at a deeper core level to be, um, strapped for money what does it mean to be what does it mean to be um depressed what does it mean to like human conditions or human situations versus sort of the things that divided us in a as a culture I guess yeah so getting to the root more to the root really at that core level of what is it we all need what kind of support can we lean into in our own communities and feel empowered by that you know in in those conversations or stories, right, is kind of where we get to say me too. That's right. I want to see a woman as a woman. I don't want to continue to see this divide that we've created about rich woman, poor woman, black woman, white woman, um, Asian woman, Muslim woman. We're women. Yeah. We're people. Yeah. We're men. We're children. Like what's there? What's in that part of the story? Yeah, love it, Kim. It's, yeah. it's so inspiring. And, Thank you. you know, I'm just so honored, obviously, to have you in my life, but just to have you on the podcast. Thanks We're right so much. Back at you. Yay. Kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> if you're someone who would value an opportunity to work with us in a deeper way, we'd love to offer you an introductory free month into our online monthly membership, Remembering Sisterhood. Join us there for soul diving, live coaching, special guests, journal prompts, tips for living your most authentic life, and so much more. Simply go to our website, jointherevelation.com, and click on our membership link using the code podcast in the checkout. We can't wait to welcome you there. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.